Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. We covered that last week, and I just, I wanted to read this portion of scripture. King David says some really cool things here in Psalm 103. And I want, if, if you weren't here last week, maybe to set you uh, into a place And maybe even close your eyes as you're listening to this. I want you to get your heart into a place where you're ready to receive God's goodness this morning. Look at what King David says about God. He says, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Look at this. May I never forget the good things that he does for me. This is big. Look at this. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Can I get an amen? Amen. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. These words are powerful, man. This is a guy who lived thousands of years ago but got a revelation of who God was even before Jesus showed up on planet earth. This is beautiful. Look at this. The Lord gives, I already read that. Let's go on. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. This was the pivotal point for me, realizing this unfailing love, this everlasting love. He goes on to say, he will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him, we know that that means a reverence and an awe, right? For those who reverence him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. In other words, they're no longer there. They're wiped clean. The slate is wiped clean. The Lord is like a father to his children. And I love this, tender and compassionate to those who reverence him. Those who have awe. You know, think of anyone who's been a parent. Do you realize that your younger kids, if if they're still younger, or if you think back, they always looked up to you in reverence and awe? There was something about, I mean, like the, the young boys wanted to be just like their dad, Right? And there are many opportunities I had and didn't take where they wanted to work along with me. I'm like, no, I can just get this done quicker. I don't need your help. But they wanted to be like dad. And little girls want to be like mom. So it's the same thing. We want to be like Heavenly Father. There's this reverence and awe for him. And so we've been talking about this idea of not letting the outward steal the joy, which is inward. It's something that we work out. And so we're talking about this idea of being lit. And so I just want to go over the definition again so you can have a proper understanding of what we're saying. This is what lit means. It's the state of being so intoxicated, regardless of the intoxicating agent, that all the person can do is smile. Smile for me. All they can do is smile so that they look lit up like a light. Come on, you know that person. We talked last week about one of my favorite uh, Christmas movies, Elf. You're like, what does it have to do with Jesus? I don't know, but it's really funny. But in this movie, Elf, there's this time where the manager of the store where he's working, he just has had enough of this guy because he smiles all the time. And he looks at him and he says, what are you, why are you smiling like that? And his answer is so awesome. He says, I just like to smile. Smiling is my favorite. 
So I had a, some dear friends of mine uh, give me a, a Christmas gift, and it's this right here. Now, I haven't, I haven't reverted to worshiping idols, so I want you to know, you're like, why are we worshiping Elf this morning? But I thought this was so cool. They're like, we didn't know what to do for you, Pastor. And then last week you told that story. So here he is. Here's Buddy. Here's the Elf, man. And if he gets enough light, he'll do the little head bobble thing. So I thought to myself, I'm going to keep this up here because if I look out there and you're having a bad day, I don't want to get discouraged by the look on your face. I'm going to look at Buddy because Buddy's always smiling, right? Smiling is his favorite. So that's why that's there. We're not worshiping the elf. We're not worshiping elves on shelves, right? But I will say this. There's something about smiling. See, smiling is this outward um, expression of what's happening inside. And so sometimes we walk around with frowns because we're dwelling on, we're thinking on everything that's happening on the exterior. Let me say this. What's happening on the exterior is important. We don't just sweep things under the rug. Sometimes we need help. We need to talk to a friend. You know, phone a friend. You need a lifeline. That's a game show, I think. But we can do that in life. Phone a friend. You need a lifeline. You need help. But above all, we need to realize that these external circumstances do not, let me say it again, do not have to steal our joy. We can say, no, I live from the internals. This makes sense. And so we talked about this last week. But here's the cool thing about this. This week, I want to talk about the idea of once you, in most cases, can learn to live out of that internal, that joy, because I'll be honest, there's days where I don't. I fail at that, and I have to be reminded by Holy Spirit. No, you live out of the internal, not the external, so I remember those things. But it's one thing for you to begin to awaken to the joy that's within and live out of that joy and live in joy no matter the circumstances, no matter the adversity. But it's another to live it to the place where it affects others. And so last week, you know, we talked about let's get lit. This week... I title it, Let's Pass It On. Let's pass it on. Let's, let's not just get lit by the, the joy of the Lord. By I talked about last week, you know, what was the thing in your life, the, the pivotal moment in your life that really solidified your relationship with God. And, and for me, it was his everlasting love. And so every time I, I talk from scripture about Jesus, about God, you probably notice it all comes out of this idea of love. I believe that love is the root of everything. In fact, the apostles tell us that everything hangs on love. If you, you can have all these gifts, you can speak in tongues of angels, you can do all these great things, have the greatest faith that can move mountains, but if you don't have love, it's for nothing. And they, I think sometimes as, as believers, we've, we've flipped the script. We've forgotten that love has to be involved in everything we do. But for me, love was that pivotal point. In fact, if I, if I hadn't discovered this deep, bigger-than-I-can-measure love from the divine, I don't know if I would be here today speaking to you. And I say that with all honesty because some people can just go along for the ride and go along and, like, it's just something we do on Sundays and it's just, I guess, something that we, we do. But for me, I'm a pretty authentic guy. I like to be honest and transparent. And honestly, if it weren't for the truth, my truth that God exists, that he's real, that I'm connected, I don't know if I'd be doing this anymore. But thank God I discovered the love of God. I'm just being real with you. And so we have to find those, those points in our life where 
maybe for you it was uh, maybe a gift of the Holy Spirit or the grace of God or like me, the love of God, something that connects you and you realize I'm connected. This is real. We find those moments and then when we're having the outward circumstances that aren't agreeing with the inward, that's where we turn inward and say, okay, I remember that time. What first brought a smile to my face? What first lit me up? That's what we're talking about. And we say, what, what is it to get lit? It's getting lit by the love of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God. So today, let's talk about this. Let's pass it on. You know, what we say and what we do has an effect on those around us. Whether you know it or not, it has an effect. Now, it can be an effect for good, and it can be an effect for bad or the negative. And and all of us have, have dealt with this, right? I mean, this applies to all that we say and do, but think about this. Think about the positive effect that we have on those around us when we get lit by the divine light. When we let the love of God light us up, the grace of God light us up, his goodness, his just, just awesome uh, just provision and the things that he's done for us. When we think of those things and get lit, think of that positive effect that we have on those around us. Now, when I was younger, especially in my teen or preteen years, I was a very negative person. Pastor Chris and I were talking about this. We have some, some of the same journey. And I don't know if maybe it's because we were both PKs or, or you know, what it was. But we, we just had this negative attitude. And, and we thought that we knew everything. And, and I would give you my opinion whether you wanted it or not. Because I just felt like you needed to hear my opinion in this, in this moment. And so my, my parents on several occasions and other adults would pull me aside. And they'd say, listen, man what you're saying is just so negative. You just seem to not be teachable. There's, you just say things that can bring people down. Now, I know that for me, I dealt with my own insecurities. I know that now. I didn't then. I've had to work through uh, different things, some inner healing therapy and things to realize, you know, uh, when my, my biological mother left us, there was a rejection there. And there was something I had to deal with in life. And because of that rejection, it brought insecurity. And because of insecurity, I would then be negative and I would have an opinion on everything. See, now I know that at 49. Then I didn't. And so they'd pull me aside and say, listen, you're just, you're being negative. I mean, if you can't say anything positive, either say something positive or just, just close your mouth. Don't say anything. What did their parents say? If you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. And so I dealt with that. I was thinking about this as I was going over my notes. When I was about 12 or 13, um, I went over to um, some new members' house. Now, I really want to focus in that these were new attenders of the church. Because a lot of times when you, as a pastor's kid, are going to someone's house, of course, they're like, we're going to check this out. This will give us a reflection of what it's like at the Baransic household. Well, I went to the house still have my insecurities, still have my stuff. And I, I, I think about this now, and I'm kind of like horrified that I would even be like this. But for instance, I was sitting at the dinner table, and you know the, the woman of the house had made this wonderful meal, and I'm there hanging out because there were a, you know, a couple sons that they had that were like a year older, a year younger than me, around my age, so we're hanging out. We're sitting at the dinner table. She makes this huge spread of food, probably to bless me, and I start complaining. Now, I love mashed potatoes, but I don't know why this lady felt the need to leave the peels in the mashed potatoes. I'm like, ooh, what is in this? Yeah, yeah, Gene, I said this. Okay, I'm going there. You're going to tell your story next. But I said, 
I said, well, what is it? She goes, well, it's, it's part of the peel. That's where all the nutrients and vitamins are. I'm like, well, this is gross. I can't eat this. <laughs> I said this. It gets better. So the next day, uh, you know, we're getting up, going about our day, getting breakfast. And uh, the dad's like, hey, um, I'm thinking we have a local park up the road. And we could go to the park and hang out. And you guys could play or do something up there. And I, I really think that I was just trying to be funny and get a laugh. But my response to that was like, well, why do you think they call it a park? Because you go and you park your butt on a swing and just sit there. How boring. This is me talking to these people. Issues, right? Insecurities, but I'm talking negative through this process. Listen, it wasn't a good experience. This is the whole point of the story. It wasn't a good experience for anyone. There was no positive effect on anyone in this scenario. In fact, when I got home, I had a very negative effect applied to my life, mainly my rear end. <laughs> anyone from the 80s, 70s, 90s remember getting spankings before it was illegal or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he applied much negative energy and pressure to my rear end, which I understand now as a parent, I would be horrified. I'd be like, why did you have to do this? It reflects on our family. How embarrassing. But the point is, there was negativity that would come out of my mouth, and it would affect everyone around me. Come on, anyone been there? Anyone at least? I know that you have been walking so, so spiritually high that you don't do this, but do you know someone else who's very negative in life? And how many know that it's, it's not very fun to be around people like that? It's just like, I love the SNL skit. Is it Debbie Downer? And everything they say, she's like, oh, and she has something to say, and they go, wah, wah, and the camera goes in. It's, it's hilarious, but it's true. There's people like this. Now, I used to watch and go, man, these people. But now I see that, and they go, wow, these people. They need help. They're, they're dealing with hurt, and so the hurt just manifests in this negativity. See, what are you saying? What are you doing that may be influencing others in a negative way? This is the question that I want you to ask yourself today and be honest with yourself about. Now, maybe, maybe you've arrived. Maybe you know, you're at a place in a good place where everything's just happy and joyous. That's awesome. I mean, that's the ultimate goal with whatever happens. But I dare say that all of us have these days where maybe what we say and what we do are influencing people in a negative way. Because again, what you say and what you do, it really does matter. That's why it's so important that we get lit by God. The ultimate source of all litness. I don't know if that's a word. But that's the best way to get lit, to get lit by that internal joy that we have that we can live out of. You know, we allow the light of this world, Jesus Christ, to light us up so that we have a positive influence on those around us. Because to me, it's great for me to have internal joy, but it's a whole different thing, and I think it's a kingdom thing when we allow that to spread out to the people around us. Amen? So we allow the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, to affect those around us. The Apostle Paul, how many have heard of the Apostle Paul? He, he wrote a lot of the letters in the New Testament, I think about two-thirds of the letters, but he wrote to his protege, Timothy. This was a young man who he considered to be a spiritual son, and uh, even Timothy considered him to be a spiritual father. But I want you to listen to what he says to him in a second letter, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. 
he's talking to Timothy about, you know, how he sees him, what he's called to. But look what he says here in verse 6. He says, this gives me all the more reason to remind you to what? Fan the flame of God's grace gift within you. I love these next few words. Into a blazing hot fire. In other words, Paul's saying, Timothy, you got lit. Something on the inside of you connected with the divine and you got lit. There's some cool history on this. Some people would even say that, that Timothy had the first megachurch. There were so many people attending that they would even have to go to the local like huge arena to meet where they would actually have open market and they would sell other gods and carvings and things. They were having to use this place because so many people were coming to hear the gospel through Timothy. This guy had a lot of weight on his shoulder, but he had this blazing hot fire within him. And he says, listen, I want to remind you, say remind you. This is why it's so important to have connection to Holy Spirit. This is why it's so important to surround yourselves with others who understand that connection and see the best in you, see the potential in you, see the grace gift within you, see the gifts that God has given you. Paul is saying, I want to remind you, this reminder is going to fan that flame of God's grace gift. How many know that they call uh, the apostle Paul the apostle of grace? And I believe he was imparting this into Timothy because he goes on to say, your life and ministry mirrors mine. Listen, we're one of the same. There's this grace gift, but I want to fan the flame of God's grace gift within you, say within you, into a blazing hot fire. And then he goes on to say, I endorse the gift of God's boldness. How many know it takes boldness sometimes to speak the truth of the gospel, especially at this time? See, it's so easy to, to say things like Jesus is Lord, right, and, and, and in church and think, yeah, that's just something we say. But do you realize in this time, the proper saying was Caesar is Lord. So they were literally stealing Roman propaganda and flipping the script and saying Jesus is Lord. I, I've said this before, that there was a saying that there's no other name under heaven by which you can be saved than that of Caesar, that was Roman propaganda. We know it as there is no other name under heaven by which you can be saved than that of Jesus. This wasn't some spiritual thing one day that someone decided, I'm going to write this down. What a no, they took something that was there and they flipped it around. And then you go, wait a minute. These people were being crucified and fed the lions. It wasn't because they were preaching a message of afterlife. They were challenging the systems of the world and saying there's a new king in town. That's why they were crucified and fed to the lions. In fact, if you look at history, the people of the way, that's what they called it, people were just blown away, get this, by the love and generosity. There was no one before this time that anyone knew that would give you the shirt off their back. That would, that would pursue peace at all costs. That would give you a meal, whether you were a Roman soldier, you were a Greek, you were a Samaritan. It didn't matter. They would give and give and give. And they're like, there's something about this way, this following Jesus. But it was messing with the empire at the time. I'd just like to give you guys some history to understand. So in this time when he said, I endorse the gift of God's boldness, it took boldness to proclaim a new king was in town. There was a new kingdom that we were serving in. Does this make sense? 
So why is it that we need to fan the flame of God's gifts within us? Why is it important to not only get lit, but then fan that light or that flame into a blazing hot fire? Well, I'll tell you why. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, if you want any portion of scripture that sums up kingdom and what it looks like, it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's absolutely beautiful what Jesus says. But look what he says here in chapter 5, starting with verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Say, I'm the salt of the earth. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, I've, I've taught many times on the salt and light. It's, it's a great analogy that Jesus uses. I want to really zero in on the light part here. Look at verse 14. This is powerful. Look what, these are the words of Jesus. He says, you are, look at the person next to you and say, you are the light of the world. Say, you are the light of the world. This is a bold statement by Jesus, who, by the way, is speaking to a bunch of people camped out on this hill, right? He's talking to them. This is before a cross, burial, and resurrection. He's saying, guys, listen, I want, you to, I want right now to connect you back to your source of life. Why do I believe this? Well, because the Apostle John tells us in his prologue to his gospel, he says that all things, first of all, we know in the beginning was the word, right? How many know who the word of God is? Sometimes people go, it's the Bible. No, who's the word of God? Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? But it says that everything came through him. Everything that's created came through the word. Well, then that means there's a divine connection with all creation. Can I get an amen? He says, you are the light of the world. He goes on to say, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a what? A lampstand. Why? So it can give light to all who are in the house. You see what Jesus is saying? He's saying, you're the light of the world. You were meant to shine, not to be put under a bushel basket, not to have a shade or something put over it. Why? So others will be affected by the light. Do you follow Jesus here? Verse 16, he says, let your light so shine before men. I, I like how he says, so shine. Like, really let it shine. Like, like anyone have a dimmable light at home? They probably, you probably control it from your phone now, right? But you can, you can dim it. You can uh, brighten it. Now, I love dim lights. I'm all about that. My wife would come in and flip every light. I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, are you a vampire? Because I start screaming and screeching. No, I don't. But I just love mood. I love, I love lights being down. And she's like, I need to see stuff, okay? So, you know what? That just proves right there. You don't have to be in agreement to have a relationship with someone. Come on, somebody. But how many know that you can, you can turn that dimmer all the way down or you can just bring it all the way up? That's so shine. That's like, I've got it on, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's an 11. Come on, spinal tap, throw back there, right? It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I love how Eugene Peterson translates it here in the message. He says, by opening up to others... So shine, open it up. Look at this. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Isn't that cool? 
So the joy, the litness, <laughs> not litmus, but the litness, the joy, the love, the grace, whatever it is that puts a smile on your face and your connection with the divine, it's not meant only for you. It's meant for those around you because when you turn a light on in the room, it doesn't just light for you. It lights for every single person in that room. You ever thought about that when you walk into a room that you're a living light walking in? Come on, you know people like this. They walk into a room and something happens. The room brightens. I've had this happen on several occasions. In fact, I've even had people say, when you walk into a room, there's like this peace that enters the room. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, all glory to God, man. I mean, that is what God has done in my life to bring that, that litness, that, that peace that exudes. Have you ever met someone like this? There's a love and a peace when they walk in. There's, it's bright. It's like if you've had a bad day, you can't help but actually smile because they're smiling and there's something about that. How many want to live out of that? Both hands raised, right? You see, Jesus says that we're salt and we are light, and he encourages us to do good works in order to show the goodness of the Father, right? But a lot of times what happens, instead of being full-flavored, seasoned people, you ever met someone who, we, we even, this is a saying, right? Man, they just left a, a bitter taste in my mouth. There's people representing Jesus, even with good intentions, who leave a really bad taste in people's mouth when they walk out of a room. I've been there. But see, we need to be full flavored. But instead of being full flavored and light, I love that the scriptures, that a lot of times when it talks about darkness, that's referring to ignorance and not understanding. But light is referring to understanding, to revelation. Do you realize that you're a revelation of God's love to those around you? It's so beautiful to think that I carry this torch. I carry this flame. I've been lit by the creator of the universe, and now I can help light others because Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. So there is, see, I love the grace of God because there's nothing that you have to do in life, but I love what Maggie would always say, my big sister Maggie. She'd, we'd, I'd say, oh, you got to go to work today. She's, no, I get to. Like there was, a, there was a difference in the way that you approach life when it's, no, I get to do this. I don't have to do this. I would say, I, you have to go to work. She'd say, I get to. And I'm like, okay, Maggie, here we go. Miss Happy trying to make me smile again. But what if we approach life in that manner? And I think that's what the grace of God does is it empowers us. And there's things that I love about, I mean, people coin it the grace message. I mean, the grace message is, is old, thousands of years old. I mean, we see God's grace in the old covenant. But many of us have awakened to this idea, but then you get people who think grace means I, got, I don't got to do nothing anymore. It's like, well, wait, there's kingdom work to do, but now you're empowered. I like to say it like this. It's not doing things out of obligation. You're doing things out of inspiration. See the grace of God and the goodness of God and the love of God and inspires you to help others. It's awesome. But a lot of times, again, we, we don't walk around with full flavoredness or with light. We tend to allow our circumstances to influence what we say and what we do, what, what's coming in from the outward to influence those things, forgetting who we are and whose we are. 
It's, it's a, a place where we're not letting the source of all light to light us up in this world so others can see us. And when we act in this manner, this isn't the gospel, this isn't the way of Jesus, and we become tasteless in our proclamation of the gospel of God's love. And how many know that God is love and God is light? And his word, Jesus, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But then here he says, you are the light of the world. Say it with me. Life is more than just me, myself, and I. See, I'm pointing at myself too. Because it's easy, especially with my personality. Just go, go, go. Go, I got, I got an agenda. I got things I got to get accomplished. And nothing, nothing wrong with that. I get stuff done, but sometimes I'm missing stuff. My peripheral vision, I got blind spots. I'm missing stuff. Anyone been there? And so it's important that we realize that life isn't just about me, myself, and I. And that we also realize that we're in union with God. This word union in the Greek means cemented together. Nothing can pull you apart. You're in union with God, who, by the way, is a source of all light. Say, get lit. (laughs) Say, pass it on. But when Jesus talks here, he's talking to these people, which is just mind-boggling to me, on the side of this, this big hill, and he's saying that you're my body. You are these little uh, pins of light all around the world that reflect who I am. You're image bearers. He's trying to awaken people to this divine connection even to the place where he's willing to go to the cross to prove it. Go to the cross to show it. And then God, vindicating the way of Jesus, resurrects him from the dead. It's a beautiful story. So to me, this brings a whole new meaning to you know, the Apostle Paul's assertion that we are each a part of the body of Christ. So think about this. of The real you is the thing that shines and brings revelation then the you that doesn't let it shine must be a false version, right? It's an untrue identity. We, we talk a lot about this idea that we can choose to live out of true identity, who we are, or we can choose to live out of false identity, who we aren't. And listen, we have many people, right, including ourselves, telling us stories about ourselves that aren't true. So we need to get the story right first. What is God telling you about you? What's his story about you? But a lot of times when we live this life, we'd actually say this, that that's the bushel basket. That false identity is a bushel basket that covers up the light. Remember Jesus says, when when you put a light, uh, turn a light on, you put it on a lampstand, you don't cover it with the bushel basket because it needs to be lit. It needs to show people where they are. You need to see. You ever notice that? You go into a dark garage or a dark room, you have, you know, turn on the light and what happens? You can see everything. That's awesome. That's what Jesus did for us. And now he's saying, you are the light of the world. In fact, in John 9, 5, he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Well, how many know that he's not in the world anymore? He said, I must go so I can send another, the comforter, Holy Spirit, who, by the way, Holy Spirit, he resides within you. So you've already been lit. You, you, maybe you just don't know it. Say, I'm lit. I love this definition for the word light in the Greek. It means to become evident, to be brought forth in the light, to come to view or to appear. 
Think about in the life of Jesus, he made it evident that we are to live in communion with the divine, that there's a connection that we weren't aware of. He's awakening to this new way of life and he's saying, follow me and you'll know what to do in life. You'll make better decisions. You'll think different thoughts. You'll say different words. You'll see people differently. The first thing I noticed is it removed boundaries between me and others. And so it used to be without realizing it, I had this us and them mentality. Like this is us over here, we get it. And then that bunch over there, eh, I don't know. But then I look at the life of Jesus and everyone was welcome at the Lord's table. Religious, unreligious, tax collectors, IRS agents, <laughs> yeah. everyone, prostitutes. It didn't matter who you were, what your lifestyle, what you're involved in. Jesus says, you're welcome to thy table and let me get you lit. Let me awaken you to the truth of who and whose you are. This has been my life. This has been the experience that I've had with Heavenly Father. And so Jesus, again, made it evident that we're to live in communion with him. And I would go as far to say that Jesus got lit in relationship with Heavenly Father. And then in turn, he says, now you are the light of the world. In other words, he passes the torch to us. Right? Whoever will accept it. What, what is mission impossible? This is the mission if you choose to accept it. This message will self-destruct. Well, here, here's the beauty, the beauty of this message. It will never self-destruct. Come on. But there's a choice involved. Holy Spirit's a gentleman. How many know that true love doesn't force itself on anyone? And so there's this open invitation. Will you accept that you've been lit? Will you begin to grow in, in the, the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, will you begin to, to identify as a son and daughter of God? Because as we do, I'm telling you, what you think begins to change. And in turn, what you say and what you do begins to change. I used to think it was an external thing. If I go to church, if I do my daily prayer, if I do devotions and read my Bible, if I uh, you know, do, go to the soup kitchen, if I help out with that outreach, then that's the way that I can grow. But that's not how we grow. Sure, that can do some outward things, but see, this is an internal thing. And what I found is I've grown in the knowledge of his love for me, his grace, his goodness, then the Bible reading and studying and the praying and the communion with him and seeing others different and loving others, it's like this automatic outflow of the internal. And so you're always going to hear, you know, from this table, from this platform about your identity, who you are. I said it before, but I love what Jamie Engelhart says. He said that in the ministry of Jesus, he never pointed out the sin in someone. He pointed out the son. I think it's easier many times to come with, come up with messages that can just beat people over the head because it sounds really good and spiritual, doesn't it? You need, to, you need to get it together. You need to get your act together. But what I found in the ministry here at Faith City, especially over the last decade, we begin to point out the son and the daughter in people, your true identity, and guess what? The actions begin to change. It's like, okay, 
someone should have told me earlier it could be this easy. <laughs> I'm not saying easy, but easier, right? It's so much easier when you're not trying to fix things from the external, but you're working on it from the internal. So Jesus wanted to pass the torch to us. Will you accept the mission? And think about this. Our light shines to glorify God. In everything we do, I want it to glorify God. I am an image bearer of God in this world. And that means, like Jesus said, that I am the light of the world. Will you stand with me this morning? Say this with me. My light shines to glorify God. Come on, say it again. My light shines to glorify God. So let's get lit. What better season to get lit? And, and really all that means, it means awakening to the truth that you've already been lit. Right through Jesus, you're already lit up. And not just for ourselves, but it's to bring meaning and seasoning to the life of those around us. To help others realize that they can be lit as well in whatever season they are in life, that they can live out of joy. They can live with this divine connection. No matter what the outward circumstances, they can rely on the truth of who they are and whose they are. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for an opportunity to be together this morning, especially during this season when we remember Jesus as a light that came into this world to dispel the darkness, to give us true revelation that we were lost. Like the apostle said, we, we go about as orphans. We don't know who our family is. And Jesus came to awaken us to the truth of who we are, to say, live out of true identity, live out of the kingdom, repent, which means change your mind. The kingdom of God is at hand. In fact, it's within you. It's there. Awaken to it. Begin to live out of it. A kingdom that's built on right relationship, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful thing where we can look back over the course of the past 2,000 years and see this kingdom that's ever growing and ever expanding and be part of this. Say yes, accept the mission. I pray not only in the last couple of weeks have we become maybe more aware that we're lit, that we're the light of the world, but that we then can share that with others. That it's not just me, myself, and I. This is a kingdom that's about others where we place others first. Jesus, you said it. The first to be last and the last shall be first. There's something different about your kingdom. It's radically different than any other kingdom of this world. And so today we recenter, we refocus on the truth of your kingdom, the truth of who and whose we are. And we say, yes, we accept the mission. Say that with me. Heavenly Father, I accept the mission. I am the light of the world. Work through me, Holy Spirit, because I want others to experience the same in their life. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv.
As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.